All right, we are live. How's it going, Steph? It's going well. You have the privilege, I guess, of being the first guest on the Introverts Are Us podcast. And, uh, you know, this is, I, I kind of want to lead off and by telling the audience, and I've told you offline as well, kind of the intent of the Introverts Are Us podcast and sort of it's the mission of Introverts Are Us in general. Um, it's what we all have in common, right? That's why every, everyone who's, or people who are already following Instagram and hopefully are coming across YouTube videos and stuff too, are introverts or they at least are ambiverts or they have introvert qualities or tendencies or whatever that is. So the, my mission with, which isn't necessarily clear on a meme page, right? My mission or introverts are us is really to empower introverts. Actually it's, there's a lot of mental health issue, issues in the introverts community. There's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of a misunderstanding of what an introvert is, what introversion is. So my mission is really to empower, educate introverts, to help them build confidence, to um, to um, draw light to stories and other introverts like you who have success stories in one way or another, it, whether it's ordinary people or celebrities, athletes, it doesn't matter. I, I, I really want to bring introvert stories and backgrounds and failures and successes um, so introverts can really understand that there's a community out there. It's, it's sort of interesting. A lot of people don't understand there is an introvert community now, and I'm, I'm happy to have been part of building that. So thank you for being uh, the first guest. And um, I think let's start off just a little bit uh, introduce yourself. Like uh, this isn't a job interview, right? We're just, <laughs> we're just talking like, yeah. I, what are what are some things you would want, of course, other than being an introvert, but we'll get to those details later, that mm -hmm. you would want people to know about you because we don't know each other. We just connected on introverts or us on Instagram, right? So yeah. what so let's let's get to know each other. Let's get let's let the audience get to know you as well. Yeah. So currently I'm a strength nutrition coach. So I coach both strength training and nutrition. And my previous job prior to doing all of this, which I've been self-employed for the last eight years, is that I was trained as a high school biology and chemistry teacher. And I did that for 12 years prior to leaving my career and starting my own business. I had a food blog. That was kind of my side project. And at one point, it just started to really grow and take off. And I made a plan. And I ended up leaving my classroom teaching job in 2013 for the wild west of <laughs> online entrepreneurship. And, yeah. uh, and here we are. So eight years later, still here. What I'm doing is a little bit different now than what I was doing back then. But basically, I coach people one-on-one -on -one virtually. And I also coach groups online as well. So most of my coaching and my work is done in the, in the online virtual space. So... Did you say you used to be a teacher? Yeah, I was a high school chemistry and biology teacher. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, interesting as an introvert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll need to touch on that first. Uh, yeah. or, or one of the first things we'll need to touch on, or I'd like to touch on that I think is going to be something that I more or less touch on in all of my podcasts is like professions, like how mm. introverts have found themselves into certain professions, how that fits their, their, uh, their, you know, their, their introvert character and things like that. But before we get into that, I'd like to, 
we can get into how I learned it as well, but how did you learn or discover or understand yourself to be an introvert? Like, was there, did you read something? Did you watch a video? Did you take a test? Have you done anything like that? Or do you just know, like, you know, I, I think what's interesting, like a whole nother conversation too, when you get into like, uh, gender and sexuality and all these kinds of things. There's like nowadays you can identify as things and stuff like that. So I, some people may consider being an introvert as part of their identity. So they, they, someone just may identify as an introvert, right. But may not have any kind of test or something they've taken. Mm -hmm. So I can't actually remember ever even hearing the word introvert for the first time or, you know, talking about introversion, extroversion, uh, ambiversion and all of the different varieties of, <laughs> of this. I think I just always knew, I just always had a, like a rich inner world. I always kind of felt I preferred to be more alone than with people, big groups of people, especially I've always found really draining and, I think the biggest revelation for me is that I'm also a highly sensitive person in addition to being an introvert. And so sometimes both of those go together. Not right. always, not every highly sensitive person is an introvert, but a lot right. of us are. And so I think it's just, I've always, I've always been this way. And mm -hmm. I don't know if there was ever a defining moment of like, you're an introvert. It's totally fine. Right. Um, I think growing up, I may have presented as being shy, but mm -hmm you know, that's a big misconception that like shyness equals introversion. Right. And I just always kind of preferred to have smaller groups of close friends rather than, you know, I wasn't like the social butterfly and I like to be, <laughs> I like to be just in my house and mm -hmm. doing my thing and in my little comfy bubble. So that's one of the reasons why teaching was really hard for me is because I had to be around the energy of 150 students every day. And then, wow. yeah, I had, I personally taught three classes or sorry, five classes of 30 students, um, which is actually a, a somewhat small number considering I'm taught in a large public district here in Southern California, but science, science classes would be capped because of safety. Um, so we're doing labs and like Bunsen burners and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so 150 students and then whoever staff wise, you know, we had to interact with every day. That was just... That was rough. So now being able to kind of intent more intentionally, like create my, my space and my energy and decide like who's going to get that energy and being able to save it up for people who I'm in deeper relationship with, especially folks that I'm working with online, you know, it's, it's just different. So I don't know if there's ever a defining moment of like, you know, you're an introvert. I just always knew that that's how I was. Did you ever like when you were a, a child, did you ever did you ever hear the word introvert? Did you even know the concept of an introvert or, or like at what point in your life, if you can even remember, did you even understand what an, what an introvert is like, Oh, that's a word. It means this mm -hmm. kinds of person, like actually formally understand the, the, the terminology. Did, yeah. did you ever know that? Or like, what point did you learn that? Like college or something? Maybe as a teenager. Okay. I feel like, um, definitely not as a kid. I think I was always labeled shy. So, you know, again, not exactly the same thing, but yeah, I think it was probably at some point in high school that 
I learned that this is <laughs> this is what people like me, you know, yeah. oh, this is like there's other people like this. I'm not just a weirdo. How did you feel like when people called you shy though? And like who called you shy? Like did other people in like in the third person or something refer to you as like, oh, Steph is shy, like your parents or your yeah. teachers? Or something or did you re honestly refer to yourself and admit like yeah I'm, I'm shy or whatever I think it was probably more the adults in my life who interpreted my personality and sort of this trait as being shy I was also bullied as a kid and so part of my almost withdrawal from social stuff and wanting to be in the middle of you know like be the popular kid and stuff like that I think I just naturally pulled back from that because I was bullied, but I definitely adults definitely called me shy. And I don't think that's ever a term I would really apply to myself um, because <laughs> I feel like you can't, well, I won't say can't, I feel like it's really hard to do the stuff that we do if you're a shy person. Yeah. Um, obviously being behind a screen makes it a little bit different, but I mean, I've yeah. had a podcast for six years. Like there's no, like it, it would be very hard to put myself out there in the world and like do the silly and gregarious things that I do, like in my Instagram stories and things like that. I feel like mm -hmm. if I was truly a really shy person. Right. Right. Or super self-conscious either. Yeah. You, you know, that's, I don't know if you, you probably don't and I hope you don't, but dig into or look at my comments on my posts and stuff like that. Oh my Lord. Like anytime I post anything about myself, mm -hmm. like, of course it's the vocal, vocal minority online. We know, unfortunately that kind of the default behavior online nowadays is not necessarily to be nice for whatever reason that culture exists. But anytime I post anything about myself on the introverts RS account, there's like tons of people who comment, message me, whatever, and harass me. And like, and accuse me of not being an introvert. They're like, there's no way an introvert would show themselves, talk about themselves, promote themselves, all, you, things that you, you understand as well. And mm -hmm. it frustrates me a lot actually. And that's in part why I want to do this podcast and things I want to address in, in, in educating people on what introversion really is and what an introvert is it is and can be and, and how it's a spectrum and how it depends on your comfortability and your environment and, and your mental health state and all sorts of things of how you actually interact with people. It's not some static personality trait necessarily, mm -hmm. but I think I really desperately, and I think you prove it as well, including myself as we're, you know, we're marketers and online businesses and things like that. For one, we have to do this that it's part of what you need to do to survive and be successful in what we do. So for that reason, there's, there's a, a sort of a necessity to do it. And that can make people uh, behave in, in ways that you may not expect by looking more extroverted. Mm -hmm. but I also want people to understand, and I think you can touch on it, how, it, how it relates to your career too, is like, one, one thing is you need to grow. You need to step out of your comfort zone. One thing I feel like introverts do a lot, at least from my perspective and what I see on my account and comments, messages, is they think that you are who you are 
and you're an introvert and you can't do this or that. You can't do extroverted things. And that's simply not true, right? Like one, online is much easier. Look, we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation right now. We're not live. So no one, there's no pressure. There's no audience. Like this is sort of like an intimate conversation. And that's where introverts thrive. And I think that's why introverts actually kill it online mm -hmm. and social media. I think introverts do really well too. It's not just extroverts because you get to curate the experience. You get to curate the content you put out there. So you are more comfortable with that interaction. So what is kind of, what are your thoughts on that stereotype <laughs> and those expectations and that whatever, everything I just said about some of the backlash I get from being popular online or putting myself out there online, that must make me a fake introvert. <laughs> well, the first thing I'll say is I've had my Instagram account for, I think, 11 years and it's gone through quite the progression. I actually have fewer followers now than I did three years ago when I rebranded and, and, and started using my personal name again. And mm -hmm. it's it's been an interesting evolution. And now because of the nature of my, of my content and because I do not look like I'm not here to argue with people who aren't invested in real conversations and they just want to mouth off on my page. So, you know, I have my, co my comments set to only uh, followers and that doesn't Ooh. mean somebody can't follow me and then mm -hmm. just oh, that's true. rant. But that's you know, right. I go back to that, that quote about, you know, the, the, the person in the arena, you know, and I'm like, Hey, look, if you're in the nosebleed seats and you just want to lob cheap ones at me. Yeah. I think the expression you know, is the loudest booze come from the nosebleed seat yeah, or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. And there's the concept that if people hide behind a fake account or they hide behind a, a, a private page, even, I mean, I'm willing to put myself out here and share my thoughts and share my vision for, you know, helping women be stronger without starving themselves and over exercising all day long. And it's, you know, butts up against the diet industry in a lot of ways. And it's sort of like, if you're not going to be putting yourself out there to be vulnerable, right? Like I'm making myself vulnerable because I have a, a very public facing account. Um, I just feel like I'm not going to engage with people. And that's one of the ways I protect my energy. And the other piece of that is that, you know, I know a lot of people who have online businesses and one of the way, one of the reasons they struggle is because they're like, well, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want people to see who I am. Or I feel like you said, self-conscious, or I feel shy about that. And I'm like, you know, if you're going to have a brand and that brand is going to be essentially you, you have to show who you are in this day and age, like gone are the days of the internet where you could just be anonymous and hope to attract to you the kind of community that you want to cultivate. So I, I'm in some entrepreneur circles. And one of the things people struggle with is they're like, well, I don't want to put myself out there. They're afraid of being judged. And I totally right. get it. But I'm like, you can be introverted and you can still put yourself out there. You know, if you want to have an online business, people want to connect with people. Right. If I go to somebody's website and I can't find out anything about them or their team, and I'm not talking about, you know, target.com, I'm talking about, you know, somebody I'm thinking of investing with as a coach or, 
you know, I want to find out who that company is. And I go to that about page. I don't see anybody on the staff. I don't see who runs the website or, or who runs the business. There's nothing. There's no personal touch immediately. I'm just like, ooh, I mean, I don't know. Like, do I don't want to connect with these people? So I just think that it's a it's a huge misconception that if you're introverted, then you're not going to put your face on <laughs> on the Internet, you know, Um and, and it's, it's just too bad that people have that sort of, you know, everybody wants to be the first to be like, oh, you're a faker. Oh, you're just trying to be popular. Oh, you're just ride, riding the coattails uh. of this thing now. And, um, you know, I just, I just think that those, those folks aren't the ones who are willing to put themselves out there. So I know I shouldn't listen to <laughs> projection. I shouldn't listen to the haters or whatever, but it, I, the only reason I address it is because I mean, I've, I've got enough of it, yeah. but I think there it's a learning opportunity or teaching sure. opportunity for people. Cause it's like, people are like, I just find it. I mean, I would have to be the biggest, I don't even know, scammer, like, actor, whatever it is to grow an introvert community and not be an introvert. Like it doesn't make sense. Like mm -hmm. if you're not passionate about something, you don't understand the character. You don't understand how people feel, what, what drives them. How are you going to create or create content, repost content that is going to, that people are going to feel really close to and relate to. So I just find it crazy that, that people could think that there's like extroverts pretending to be introverts, <laughs> but Look, my husband's an extrovert. Okay. His, oh, wow. his, okay. his most famous saying, uh, at least I, I feel like is I put the extra in extrovert. That's him. He puts the extra <laughs> in extrovert. He would never, he is not an introvert he has no interest in being introverted. That's one of the reasons why we work really well together as, you know, not just a couple, but as like a life partnership is because there's just times where, you know what, that person's energy is weirding me out and I don't really feel uh -huh. like talking to them. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to come in with my very amazing Scottish accent and my extroversion. And I'm just going to like take one for the team. And I just stand <laughs> back and yeah, let him talk. But I see extrovert friends and family stuff. I see them like Pokemon. I got <laughs> I got them in my Pokeball. Yeah, and I see some like, ooh, I need to like that. I can't handle that. I'm gonna throw out. I'm gonna throw out my Pikachu, whatever it is, and then they're gonna go handle that battle for me. Yeah, so I don't have to do it. So yeah. extroverts, man, they're great for that. Like, go go handle that thing. Like, I don't have the energy for that. But how I I just don't I don't see how you could just pretend. Knowing him, just knowing him, like how or why could you do that? I don't know. That's silly to me. People just like to talk. Yeah. But, but you know, the thing is, is I didn't really understand this until I, you know, started growing this account and kind of studying more deeply and stuff like that. Nor am I an introversion, extroversion expert, but it's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that seems to be well agreed upon is that there's no such thing as a complete introvert. There's no such thing as a complete extrovert. Um, it's just not possible. You're on a spectrum and that spectrum, um, uh, can, can change. Maybe who you are doesn't change so much. There's some built in, um, personality there, but depending on your comfortability, your mood, 
like your familiarity with people and all these kinds of things, introverts can come across as extroverts. In fact, I feel like introverts are indistinguishable from extroverts when they're with their other friends and family that they know well, you want to know the difference until you throw in a stranger mm -hmm. or some other factor that shakes things up enough that their comfortability and all that kind of thing changes so that they kind of go back to their, their, their default state or whatever. That's what I see. I experience, and there seems to be some science behind that too. Do you have any, any comments on that? Uh, yeah, I think that that's, well, people love a binary. Yeah. It's simple, Cause it makes right? things so easy to yeah. put, put, put you in a box here, mm -hmm. put me in a box here. Okay. We understand each other supposedly, but that's just not how things work. You know, I've even, you know, neurodivergence is a spectrum. I mean, gender expression and sexuality, like it's, it just is to want to expect everything is going to be in such a like a nice neat little box is just not realistic and yet it's what we love as humans we love boxes and labels and to make it nice and neat and you know for me i will say one of the hardest things for me is meeting people who have it when they're unsure if i meet someone and they're they're coming across as unsure as sort of um, not knowing what to expect from talking from if they're if they're sort of like being nervous, if they are just not talkative. I mean, there's just certain things for me, those situations are really difficult. And as I mentioned before, having sort of like this highly sensitive trait, these highly sensitive traits as well. I mean, I will say even when I'm with my family, <laughs> very loud. <laughs> yeah, we go to we go to my family's house for holidays and stuff. And we call it like, you know, it's, it's kind of like sensory overload, because it's like dogs yeah. and kids and loudness. And, Man. you know, so being with them, I'm very comfortable with them in terms of like our interactions and our right. relationship. But there are just certain things, right. And you said this earlier with like environment that yeah. can just shut I just shut down you know I, I just sort of I'm like I just need to go in the other room and just be by myself for a while and be quiet yes and and like I said sometimes I'll if I'm out and obviously COVID put a, a damper on some of this stuff but when we would travel or I would go to events and meet people if people were relaxed and calm and chill about it I would then you know read that energy, get that energy and be like, no big deal. Like we're just having a chat. This is all good. But if somebody was like nervous or they, you, you get a sense of like people expect you to be a certain way. Um, or they're like, are they going to be this way? Then I'm spending energy trying to manage myself and the way the conversation's going and all that stuff. And that is what I find very, very draining. You know, you, I can relate so much to like the holiday example you brought up. <laughs> Uh, oh my God. Any, <laughs> any, any holiday, like there's a lot of people running around. It's loud. There's like a whole bunch of like family you haven't seen for a long time and weird and interesting dynamics between different cliques in the family and all this kind of stuff, man, after a certain period of time, I have to like go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. like, and just sit there or something. Right. Yeah for like even just a couple minutes and just have peace and quiet and like take a deep breath. Um, and, uh, whatever, go in the other room, like you said, whatever it is, like, I need like, a, I need a, 
a cleanse from, <laughs> like you said, it's sort yeah. of like, even though sort of comfortable with those people maybe and whatnot, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the highly sensitive thing you're talking about. I don't know the, necessarily the science behind it, but all the noise, all the commotion, all the different conversations that are overlapping each other, people mm -hmm. moving around, just so much stimuli. Yeah. It like, even if it's nothing, there's nothing bad about it, it will just drain me so quickly. And in some, depending on my mood, give me just massive anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I'll just be like, dude, I need to get the hell out of here for a little bit. No, nothing will happen if I don't necessarily. Like, I won't have a panic attack or something. I don't, I won't have like an issue necessarily, but I will not be like in a good mood and I'll be a little bit on edge and I won't be enjoying it so much. Yeah. So, again, not, not that highly sensitive person and stuff like that is related but different than introversion but i like you said i think i've for whatever reason there's got to be some literature out there maybe there's a lot of highly sensitive introverts and i wonder if it's the chicken or the egg thing it's just introverts are susceptible to becoming highly sensitive or something like that i don't know mm. do you have do you have any idea i don't but when you know, per what you said there's this you know one of the things i, f I feel like as an introvert is is one of the common characteristics is like finding small talk very difficult and I feel mm -hmm. like in those, I would much rather have a really deep conversation with somebody I just met like this <laughs> than be, than be, you know, in yeah. a room with a hundred people and potentially have to start a brand, you know, how you like, you go to a conference or something and people are mingling and you bump into somebody for like yeah. three minutes and you're like, oh my God, catch me up on your life in like three minutes. Oh, I got to go to this next thing that and so i feel like holidays tend to be like that if you're catching up with people and you're like we're just gonna have this like small chit chat and then it's like i gotta switch to another conversation and that switching cost right which is the thing right for you know the the energy it takes to switch a task um is just so draining i would much rather just be here with one person having a deep conversation than be you know that that butterfly flitting around and having these surface level chit chats and then having to switch to talk to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I find is really, really. Yeah. I agree too. Like, you know, I, I think it's a sort of a stereotype too, when you're at, when you're at a conference, Christmas party, whatever it is. And, uh, you find someone, you know, potentially, or let's say you find somebody, you know, or you just find someone you connect with that's interesting or whatever you latch onto them, like one-to-one <laughs> You're like, oh, yes, I can pull you aside and have a one-on-one -on -one just like we're having now. And that's totally fine. No one can tell the difference that you're an introvert. You like introverts, they, they're very strong and one-on-one -on -one or just smaller groups and just they kill it and just feel like they can kind of be themselves. They can be more intimate. They can put more of themselves out there. They can articulate themselves without the pressure of more people and other stimuli. And I feel like that's super. And that's like, well, there's a lot of memes out there about that too, of just like an introvert just wants to, you know, find someone at a party and grab them and go to a corner, yeah. you know, someone they're familiar with. I definitely do that. Um, like when I'm party or conversation, I'm like, mm, do I, who do I know? I know, oh, I know that person. I'll just go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making I don't, a beeline for you. Yeah. I'm not trying to like, and it's weird. It's, but here's exactly the reason why I want to do this podcast and stuff so I can pull out good content uh, relating to this topic specifically as well. 
That's not necessarily a good thing. And introverts need to understand that. It's who you are and there's nothing wrong with that. But by but by always falling into that behavior, we are losing out um, potentially on positive experiences, building relationships with people, growing, building confidence, learning how to talk to different types of people. There's value in even sometimes those forced interactions, being pulled out of your comfort zone and meeting new people, learning new things, getting new perspectives. If you just go to always go to your familiar zone, familiar, the people you're familiar with and friends with, well, then, then your circle of, of influence and education is always going to be limited because we're choosing to limit it. And I think that's a bad thing. And so that's why I'm, I have learned a lot and I'm sure you have too. We've been forced to in many ways because of our professions and stuff like that to, to get out of that sometimes because there's value in it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I kind of want to coach introverts on is building yourself up to do that will change your life. Um, you don't always need to do that. I definitely don't always do that. And I still more often than not don't do that, but I have built a skill and an ability that I can turn that on and I can recognize when it might be a good time to be more outgoing and put myself in a less comfortable area because it's better for me or maybe it's better for other people too because I might have something to provide or, or provide value or experience to other people. And if I don't, if I'm too in my own corner, then other people actually suffer because of my a lack of desire to do that as well, to step mm. out of my comfort zone. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's, um, that's so true. And yeah, it's exactly what I described. I'm thinking of an event that I went to a few years ago, and I literally knew no one. And it was a really intimidating group of people. I'm talking like seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, I already felt like I was like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. And I just, I just had to go into this room and just try to start chatting with people. And, you know, I think I'm a person who really feels like a comfort zone is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. Depending on our individual tolerance for risk and all sorts of other things in life, like trauma. And yeah. I mean, you name it, like just thinking that we always have to be outside a comfort zone to me doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, that becomes very binary in and of itself. So I think comfort zones are important, but like you said, realizing where your tendency to default to the one person you recognize. Uh, I, I like to kind of do the thing where I, I take that person along with me and I'm like, Ooh, let's go talk to them. Cause I are, I know I have somebody comfortable um, yeah. that I, I know. And that can You're kind an of, yeah, it's like my wingman, yeah. you know, and that's why I love yeah. going to events with my husband because um, I just feel like he's he's great at just talking to people. And yeah. he's actually taught me a lot of things. He used to work in retail for a long time. And so he taught me a lot of like questions you can ask people and things mm -hmm. like that to just get a conversation going. But I think a, a good wing person is always good to have um, in those situations where you're just like so intimidated or like, I don't even know how to how to work this room, um, you know, kind of finding a hybrid model of that can be really helpful. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I've been to like my, my, my brother, he, he worked in the same marketing agency as me. Uh, he's, he's still there and, uh, he came after me and I started bringing him to conferences cause I needed to go to conferences and stuff too. 
doing kind of a business development type of thing. Like I, that's a whole nother story. I, I mean, so I'm in the air force. Now I was in the air force long time ago, got out, did a marketing as a career. Now I'm back in the air force, but in my marketing career, I go to conferences and speak. I would have to like be a speaker or an MC for a panel of speakers. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother story of how I got to do that. But the point is, is when I was there, it was, it was nice to have my brother sometimes because he's more, more extroverted than me. And like you said, like, like you have a husband, it was cool that it changed the dynamic. Like if you, it, it, when I would go approach someone or someone approach me, sometimes when you have a third person there, you're a little bit more comfortable because some you're the person with you might chime in with something. And then if you don't know something you're uncomfortable, you can turn to the person, you know, and ask them and like kind of bring them into it. And it really changes the, the dynamic. And, you know, I think that's really awesome. One thing I would say though, again, just kind of always be, uh, trying to grow is I do think some things can become anchor or not anchors. They can become, um, it can become crutches, mm -hmm. um, too. So I think it's, it's nice to have that, but don't get too used to it. Um, because then you could be reliant upon that to grow or to be kind of your best self. So that's my other mm -hmm. kind of angle for introverts is find crutches and use them because there's nothing wrong with them. We all need help sometimes. And depending on your mood or the situation, a crutch is important to have. However, try to be self-efficient or sustaining or whatever you can build your own abilities up as well. So you, so when you don't have a crutch, you can still excel you can still perform, grow, be happy without it. And with that point, I'll give you one other crutch that I have sometimes. And that would be like a drink, an alcoholic beverage, like a beer, a whiskey or whatever it is. I'm not condoning alcohol for anyone. I don't think, I think people should obviously be of age, of health, whatever, mental health, everything before they do that. But I will say that sometimes having a drink for me cuts enough of the edge off that I a little bit smoother in like I'm at a conference or something like that, have, have a, a, a whatever, some sort of drink. It helps a lot. It helps like a lot, a lot. And, but I, I also think some people shouldn't drink and you shouldn't always have a drink. Shouldn't always have a third person with you. There's certain things that can help you, but it's, you have to moderate whatever your crutches are in life and introverts to do that too. identify the things that you can be a crutch, but please do not be reliant on them because I think it's super important to, 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 to be able to perform without any crutches. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any other crutches? Like in terms of socialization, um, mental health, um, just whatever it is, being your best self coffee, something, some people like, I cannot operate mm -hmm. without coffee. Some introverts are like, if I have coffee, I'll have a panic attack. So like, <laughs> is there, is there something else that like helps you kind of be in your best mood? Um, gosh, that's a tough question. I, so I don't drink. I'm a non-drinker, been a non-drinker for five years. So I don't have okay. that, that, um, <laughs> right. you know, the alcohol go-to to, to take the edge off. Um, 
you know, I think for me, I don't know how much of a crutch this is, but definitely movement is really important for me. It helps me process, you know, energy. And I'm not a person who says like exercise is like my therapy because exercise is very helpful for people, um, especially if you have anxiety or, you know, things like that. But it's not a replacement for or a substitute for therapy and or medication. Right. So I just want to say that because sometimes that gets a little bit misconstrued, like it's therapy. And I'm like, it's it can be therapeutic, but it's not the same thing as therapy. But for me, um, you know, just being able to to move and sometimes that's walking um, and sometimes I don't do anything like today. I was out in the garden doing my thing, but that was kind of the extent of it because it's my rest day. But for me, movement is one of those things. I wouldn't say it's a crutch, but it's definitely something that when I notice I haven't moved, I notice that I'm not, yeah. I'm not like processing, I'm not moving the energy throughout my body that helps me feel really grounded. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing would, would just be this thing. I mean, this, this phone, you know, is like, I try to be really mindful of it now. Um, and try to set, you know, like a curfew. It definitely, a phone does not come in the bedroom. The phone sleeps out in the living really? room. Yeah, wow. yeah. That is rare. Yeah. I wish I had the guts to do that. <laughs> that is super healthy. I think super yeah. healthy. I don't really know anyone who has the ability to do that. Well, everyone has the ability to do that, but who's actually successfully done that? Yeah. Yeah. That's been a, that's been a hard and fast rule in our house. How long have you been doing that? Seven, seven years, maybe. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Okay. So by now it's so routine. It's not even an issue, but sure. I mean, that's kind of good because frankly, if you've been doing it that long, I think you started that habit well before phones got as addicting as they are now. So I think that's helpful yeah. because I, frankly, I don't know how, how, how much, how much more difficult it would have been to try to do that nowadays to start that habit, to form that habit. Cause now they're unbelievably addicted, but I guess to give you some credit, you're still using it throughout the day. So it, it is, it still must be somewhat difficult, but that's, that's crazy. You have any advice, anyone who would love to be able to do that? Well, here's the thing. I work with a lot of, a lot of people, right? I work with a lot of people with, from lots of different backgrounds and lots of different professions. And I have clients who are parents. I have clients who are doctors and, you know, or in law enforcement and they're like, I need to be on call. Like so-and-so needs to get to me right. if I need to, you know, like there's this element of like, for sure. some people, that's not possible. I understand. But yeah. for a lot of a lot of folks, like just think, you know, I think about I'm like I'm putting the phone to sleep where the phone sleeps, and that's just it. Like I have to create that like bubble for myself of being away from that the energy that the phone takes from me. And I think this is just like maybe something else that people could find relatable is like you know, notice if the, does the phone give you, and of course, like I'm on Instagram all the time, Facebook for work and stuff like that. But right. I just, I do, I'm like at night, it's like, you know, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm like, Ooh, just check it one more time. Oh, just check it one more time. Like, <laughs> and I'm well aware that that is just not, 
it's taking energy from me. You know, even if I get a little like, oh, somebody, you know, get that little dopamine, right? Somebody like liked my picture or somebody commented this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that for me, and maybe people will relate to this, getting that like unexpected <laughs> Somebody is like trolling you at, you know, ah, yes. nine o'clock at night. I go to bed Good pretty point. early by like 10 o'clock most of the time. But like, you know, those like unexpected things that raise your heart rate, they get your, yes. you know, your nervous system gets really activated. Um, that's one of the reasons why I try to have some separation with the phone. But it's yeah. definitely one of those things where I'm like, if I'm bored, I notice how quickly I just want to go pick it up. <laughs> You know, because oh, that's, it's just so, um, it's just so addictive in that way. I, I mean, oh my God, two reasons. One for better or for worse. I think, I think for better, um, uh, again, my career outside of the air force has been in social media marketing. So my, my career is on the phone and yeah. I definitely do not think that's healthy, but I think part of it is necessary. And that's the problem is drawing the balance. Mm -hmm. But I, so I think professionally we have lots of good and bad excuses of why we are on our phones all the time and, and, and social media. But one thing that I don't know, maybe this is an excuse too. Probably it is part of it is I do believe being an introvert, but I'm single. I live alone. I'm like, what uh, what else am I doing here at home? Like, yeah. I yeah, I have I have the TV going, YouTube or whatever it is. But other than that, I'm like I'm literally in my home. I don't even have a pet. I have nothing. I have no one. So like for me, I just find it so much more like addicting or whatever. Is I have no other form of interaction in my home mm-hmm. other than my phone. My phone is like the other person in my house. And I think that's problematic um, in many ways. So I know it's crazy, but I just like some, some days I'm like, man, I wish I, I like being alone because I'm an introvert. I really love my personal space, my privacy, my quiet time. But sometimes, because I didn't used to live alone, um, I, I used to have roommates and stuff. I felt when I, when I reminisce, getting a little deep here, like a few years ago, I was like, you know what, even, even though I was an introvert then too, but I think about it, I'm like, man, I was happier actually when I had roommates, I was happier. Um, so I've been thinking about that like a lot the last couple of years and stuff. I'm like, Hmm, again, this goes into the balance thing that I think some introverts need to realize it. And and it, and it's, it's person to person. Some people can deal with it differently. I don't get enough human interaction actually. I like too alone. So I go to my phone and stuff like that. And then the phone has its problems like we're talking about. So that's like another thing that I feel like some introverts need to be self-aware about is like, you can have too much alone time, <laughs> sure. you can have too much lack of socialization and all these kinds of things to the, to a detriment. And honestly, honest to God, I'm still, I need to figure out, I don't know how to address it. Like, I don't want to just go get random roommates or whatever. I don't think that's necessarily the way to do it, but like, I'm trying to think about, man, I need to, I need to figure out how to have more socialization. Like, yes, that's an introvert saying this. I need to have more socialization because it's, I can't just have my phone at home. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're married. That's 
that's that's helpful. I honestly think for mental health in some ways, and maybe not others. But like, do you have any thoughts on that, or do you have any like experience with thinking like having times where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm being too introverted. Like, <laughs> I tried to be like, eh, I need. I kind of actually feel like I need to like see some people. Yeah, like the last year and a half of you know, <laughs> lockdown. Thought you um, might have said that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's been such that's been a huge hurdle for people. Right? Is we we definitely live in a culture where it's like, you know, go hard all the time, busy, 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 always on. And so we went from this situation for a lot of people, which was. I don't ever get any like downtime, rest time, alone time to being forced to do it. And that causing its own issues, right. Of a feeling like, well, but I didn't choose it. So there's that, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, it's not on my terms. So there's that. Right. And, and then obviously just the, the, the difficulties for, for people's mental health in so many ways. And um, I think for me, you know, we're kind of lucky we live in a city. So we're right here in the neighborhood. I mean, we live in this cool you live little in LA. Yeah, in San Diego. Oh, yeah. So please, please, yeah. please let me move to San Diego. <laughs> is, it, um, is it as amazing as as I think it is? Well, I mean, every place has its pros and cons. I'll just say okay. that. But, okay, but okay. it's. I mean, I wouldn't right now, I wouldn't choose to live really anywhere else unless we okay. could figure out a way to get to New Zealand permanently. Oh, but moly. why is New Zealand? That's random. Uh, have we have, we have some really great friends there and we've been there oh, okay. a few times and just oh, wow. really, really loved it. But that's where they shot a few, lots of movies are shot there, I guess. Cause it's so beautiful. Yeah. That's all yeah. I know really is a lot of movies have been shot there. Yep. Lord of the Rings, aliens, yeah, all that stuff. I think, yeah, man, yeah, okay. But but you know, living in a living in a neighborhood, we don't know all our neighbors per se, but you know, we can very easily. I mean, there's people around. Uh, we do live in the in a fun little sort of collection of cottages where we actually know a couple of our neighbors really well. Like we were able to see them during you know the at least the very beginning of of lockdown and everything like that. So, you know, I think, um, as much as I like to be alone and like a borderline hermit sometimes, mm -hmm. um, even for me, that was challenging. Right. Um, and, and I definitely had it easier than a lot of people. So I'll just say that, but it's, um, yeah, you know, I, I know that a lot of people were like, okay, cool. We're going to try these hobbies and try new things. And, and after a while that mm. gets old too, you know, you can't, uh, I, I, for one personally have been a knitter since I was a little kid. So I knit a lot and, you know, I feel like even if you picked up knitting or bread making or whatever your hobby is to try to pass the time and keep yourself occupied and maybe expand your mind a little bit, try a new hobby or a new craft or whatever it is, that's still not a substitute for social interaction. And, Absolutely. and so I think that's why, you know, you saw at least at the beginning of lockdown, we were like, we should probably get a little bit more fitness equipment, huh? And it was like, you know, you oh, couldn't man. find a dumbbell on planet, oh, Earth, on planet Earth anywhere. Yes. But, you know, for a lot of people, it was like, okay, I'm going to like devote time to this thing that I've really not given myself the time for. So there was that sort of, uh, you know, if we could call it a positive effect, but at the same time, the, just the, 
the social aspect, even as an introvert who would choose a lot of times to be alone. Uh, you know, obviously it's been really hard for people. Uh, I think you brought up a very interesting point about kind of, you know, the lockdowns, whatever you would call them, everyone has a word for it, quarantines and all this stuff. You know, what happened, what I saw when, when it happened, when it first happened, like whatever, March and stuff like that is a lot of funny memes, which I think are really funny to this day. Uh, like, obviously a meme, I can't really explain a meme to make it as funny as the meme itself, but there were just memes like saying like, oh, the introverts are like, we got this. We're good. Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's true. Uh, certainly the way in, in many ways, the, the, the way introverts can be, become highly drained by being in certain highly social or stimuli environments, how they're drained, uh, the extroverts being at home, we're like, what the heck? There's nothing to charge us. Mm -hmm. Whereas introverts, you know, we drain or excuse me, we recharge in our solitude. Extroverts are charging in socialization and things like that or with stimuli. So they're the ones going like crazy at home. Well, the thing is mental health was really, really poor, you know, a couple of few months into the into the lockdown for both introverts and extroverts. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is of, of course the obvious reason for the extroverts is like they're being confined and not able to be social and things like that. But for the introverts as well is it's just too much of a good thing is kind of the way I explain it. We have to socialize. We absolutely have to socialize. And that's another like misconception that, uh, actually, I think I, on on the YouTube channel, I did a video on the difference between like social anxiety and introversion, or even to the nth degree, the difference between antisocial behavior, which is a mental health disorder, and introversion. Mm -hmm. Introverts absolutely need to socialize, and 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 in certain ways, they can make us very very happy. Being home alone on, on Zoom and all this stuff, even for introverts, for that long of a period of time is not okay. And I was really lucky in a way, I think lucky, that I actually had rejoined the Air Force because, I, like I said, I was out for a few years in March. Coincidentally, uh, I'm in the California National Guard, the California Air National Guard. So I happened to join the kind of the, the branch of the Air Force as well that responds to uh, natural disasters and things like that. So COVID, of course, happened to be one of them, pandemics. So I've been working the whole time, actually, going to the office, too. So I was, you know, deemed essential and stuff like that because I was working on the COVID response here in California. So I actually consider myself super lucky as an introvert that I got to work at an office. Yes, mm -hmm. I said that. I am lucky to have worked at an office during COVID as an introvert because I, I think despite the physical risk you have with the virus and whatever, the mental health aspect, I had an advantage over most introverts because I got to see some people. I got my routine to drive to work, get my coffee. These little things, these little things add up 
for introverts and extroverts and, yeah. and are part of your happiness and your mental health. Um, so I, I'm just really lucky that I had that, um, despite, you know, the risk of being out in the public and stuff like that. Like, did you, did, how did you keep your routine? Did you establish routines at home? Like, were you working at home completely? Yeah. How did you keep your mental health, <laughs> you know, intact, or maybe you didn't or whatever. I don't know. A lot of people mm -hmm. didn't, and, and there's no shame in that during yeah. kind of the lockdowns, like as an introvert, when you got too much of a good thing and maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing your husband might've been home more than often too. That may create some pros and cons too. Like how, yeah. how, how was that for you? Well, we very, so I've been working from home since 2013. So for me, that holy was, holy. okay. you know, I've had that, got I've it. had that luxury, I guess I would say. You, you were, but true, but like you could leave the house and stuff, right? So. True. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I am a person that really thrives on routine, which is ironic because I had, yeah. you know, I, I, being a teacher, I would say, I mean, military as well, but I would say being a teacher is probably one of the most highly reg regulated, like regimented jobs you could possibly have because there's a bell that literally tells right. you yeah. when class starts, when class ends, when you can go to the bathroom, when you can eat your lunch, when you can leave, you know, you know, all your school days where you're going to be working, like there's yeah. no spontaneity in that That's job. A good point. That's a very good um, point. However, having left the classroom, one of the things I discovered about myself and maybe this is just learn, you know, for me, how I manage my energy throughout the day, because I'm not one of those like highly spontaneous people is that I, I like, I like routine. I, and so what I, but what I was missing out when I was a teacher was my, the freedom to create my own routine. <laughs> um, sure. So, so all that aside in, in March, you know, here in San Diego, at least, my husband was working at a job site, you know, in IT and tech and stuff. And then they were like, well, you guys are just going home now. So just bring all your stuff home. And so I had been working on working from home by myself for two years. We had done the work from home thing together before. And then he was, oh, for a year, sorry. Then he went back to the, the work site for a year. And then it was like, hey, I'm back indefinitely. And I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go. And we, you know, we managed the space pretty well. We actually live in a really small place. It's like 600 square feet um, for two people, which is pretty, pretty small, I think. Yeah. But, you know, um, for me, it was just like <sighs> going through a rough time with work. Um, so all that aside, you know, I'd been kind of restructuring my business and had gone through a period of burnout in late 2019 where I just didn't want to work. I was like, what, you know, why? Like, I'm just so tired. I'd been Me pushing too. for so long. Oh my Lord. And I had a, a big book that came out with a big publisher and like, it didn't, at least in my mind, it, it wasn't the success everybody had hyped it up to be. And that was uh -huh. such a, like a letdown, at least energetically expectations. And I was like, Oh great. I'm in this period of burnout. And then I felt like I was kind of coming out of it. And then all of this happened. So I just tried to do small things once we could do stuff and we, they figured out, like you were mentioning going to get coffee. It was like, well, we couldn't go walk into the coffee shop and they made it a walk up window and we would just have to take coffee home. But like just trying to get out and do that stuff as much as possible. Yeah. Um, that was really important. And, you know, for me, just kind of taking the pressure off to have to like always be the top 
performing at my best. I guess I learned to be a little bit less hard on myself, if you will. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think it just taking quiet time. If you journal, if you like to walk and that's moving meditation and being outside is, you know, pretty safe. Um, I think all that stuff is just really important. And for me, those are just some of the things that I, that I did, you know, um, getting outdoors. I don't, I'm not a great, like sit in silence and meditate kind of person, although I've done it for long stretches of time in the past. Um, but I find, you know, walking and being outside in the morning and like that's become a really grounding routine. So I think it's just different for everybody and and what you really like to do, but there've definitely been hard times where, you know, we had some big trips and some exciting things that got canceled and a lot of disappointments. And I know these are like really first world problems, um, in the big picture, but I think we just tried to find little things to be looking forward to, even if it was just, you know, we were going to, um, try a new takeout place or, you know, yeah. I don't know, just really yeah, yeah. little things and kind of returning to simplicity. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like finding gratitude in really yes. small, small things. Yes. Finding gratitude in really small things. I think was really important. And, you know, in a way, like our family got closer in some ways. Um, I'm the, I'm the oldest of four kids and, my siblings are spread all, all around the country and in Europe. And, you know, we, I think in the last year, we all talked more than, you know, obviously we were like WhatsApping each other, but I think we had more communication together over the last year and a half or year plus because we knew we couldn't see each other. And so that in a strange way brought us a little bit closer together. Yeah, there was definitely some, yeah, especially the first couple months of COVID and stuff like that too was like very we're all in this together and like people were more in contact with loved ones and friends and checking in on each other and it was almost like this it's almost like the world shrank and that's the weird thing about like catastrophes whether it's, you know, 9/11 or what have you like a a tragedy that a large population can relate to and is involved in seems like everyone comes together and they can put aside things and they, and and it feels like the world gets smaller and that's, I don't know, such an awesome feeling and feels like get closer to your neighbors and then start saying hi to your neighbors. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Are you guys managing anything I can help you with or whatever? When you normally, maybe, maybe most people, including myself would normally not have done that. So it's, it's sort of, it's such a weird case study of how tragedy can bring people together and, and in many ways make people the best version of themselves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, man, I wish we could sustain that though. Cause that kind of that honeymoon feeling in general, uh, I think for, you know, the country and stuff like that is sort of fleeting, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm maybe it's just not sustainable. I don't know what it is, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, like in my personal experience too, is like the routine. So it's interesting. You said that you kind of burned out in 2019. That That's when I burned out actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been working remotely as well for four years um, for this marketing agency and that's based in Canada. 
And before that, for two years, I was working at a at a at a tech company in Palo Alto. I'm from Silicon Valley. I'm you know, uh, and that was cool and that was awesome. But then I decided to go into a new venture, and I was working remotely for a uh, marketing agency in Canada that was a startup. And long story short, working remotely for four years. So this is pre-COVID as well, just like you. I've been working remote pre-COVID. For me, at least, like a couple years in or whatever, I knew it was a problem for me, especially because like I, I'm in senior leadership and my team is you know, in Canada and it's just, there's a lot of issues with being remote sometimes when you work for growing organizations and stuff like that. But I realized at some point, like, I just, I don't know if I can do this remote thing. Like even as an introvert, it's just, especially as like a leader, it's just not conducive. Like I, I need to build trust. I need to be collaborative and I can't do this stuff over zoom before zoom was a, like a cool thing. Mm -hmm. And long story short, in part being remote and stuff like that. I burned out in 2019 as well. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a routine. I'm not good at those routines. Unfortunately, it's not my skill building my own routine. I'm not so great at. Um, and I realized to some extent I needed a routine back and that I wasn't the most capable at creating my own routine. And that I realized that like, I kind of liked a little bit of the drive to work, like mm -hmm. going to Starbucks on the way. Like I, I like when I lived in the Bay, like an hour to work. I don't like that. That's too much. Again, too <laughs> much. a good thing, right? There's a balance, but like 20 minutes or whatever that routine, I liked it. And I, and again, I reflected on my time when I would commute from San Jose to Palo Alto. I was like, man, I was way happier then. Again, I'm going to try not to overdo it, but relate things to, to introversion and stuff too. Is like, hmm, I would I would have traffic and I'd go to work and there's like hundreds of people there. But I was happier then. Like, hmm, that's interesting. And I try to be introspective about it and, and be like, hmm, why is that? And I mean, there's many reasons why, but one of the reasons why I got the routine that I needed for whatever my mental health needs some sort of routine. Mm -hmm good at creating it but having some place to be created it for me and then at work i had people i could socialize with even if it was a smaller group and i had my own little click and we got to lunch and stuff i found value in that so long story short after four years of that i realized like man i need to change so i was like one or two things happen one i'm either going back to a you know tech company here and i moved to san francisco and i was like i'm either joining a tech company and i'm going physically back into an office or in another more extreme way, I'm going back into the military where I'll get the same thing, but on the military side. So I explored both both avenues and obviously ended up back in the military, at least for now. I'm in, I'm in the, the Air National Guard, so I can actually have a civilian career if I want. Mm -hmm. It's 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 interesting. I can do both. But uh, anyways, like that's my rant on routine and mental health and introversion. Like everyone needs to figure out what works for them because Unfortunately, I feel like I waited a little too long for my mental health. It really affected my mental health. Like by the time I started correcting, getting back to my routine, getting back into like an office or whatever, getting some of that I needed, I had already like kind of been suffering mentally for, for months, mm -hmm. kind of 
needlessly, I feel like. So I, I just leave people with that. Like, please like do what's right for you. Be self-aware. If you feel like you need a routine, you feel like you need some socialization, whatever it is, like find that. Cause I had to do that before COVID. And then interestingly, I had rejoined the air force in March, right when COVID happened. So things got interesting and I kind of got what I wished for, but in a very different way. So that's, that's my experience with it. And mm. People find value in that. But ha having said that though, I think it's this interesting segue is like, since you've been remote for so long and your own, you're an entrepreneur, like how do you, like, how are you before, after COVID? Like, how are you creating uh, these routines and these structures to help your, uh, to support your mental health as a nutritionist and a strength coach? as mm -hmm. at least the nutritionist thing you can you can always sort of do remote you don't need to be in someone's kitchen but like strength coach you can create a strength plan but like are you do do you work in the gym with people are you a strength trainer as well are you showing people how to do exercises are you doing that in videos now how are you how are you managing that yeah um good question and you know for me i've always worked out at home and in a gym setting. So up until a late, late 2018, I was coaching a few times a week in a CrossFit gym. So I used to coach Olympic weightlifting. And so I would go into the gym and, and coach people. And even when I wasn't like officially on coach duty, I was still, you know, helping people, talking to people, coaching people and, um, have always done even really simple stuff here at home. So I had a kettlebell and I like I had one kettlebell at one point or two, one or two kettlebells. And I would do two kettlebell workouts on my porch. So there's that. And, you know, what I do now with, with my clients is I don't, I don't live coach anybody in person aside from uh, a guy that I actually trained with one of my professors. Um, I've helped him with some strength training stuff. So most of what I do is online. So I'm educating people. I have some online strength programs and, um, and so it's always, been, <laughs> it's uh, always like, been pretty, yeah. it's always been pretty virtual, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I have that, that, experience and the ability to, you know, I'm sharing information. I mean, part of it's, it's marketing, right? It's like part sure. of it is, is how to and helping people with the nuts and bolts. And so these, you know, virtual programs that I have, people can, you know, hop in and, and sort of create their own uh, adventure program, which I have one of those, which is kind of a flexible program for dumbbells and kettlebells or whatever weights you have laying around. I also have a barbell program if people are looking for super structure. Um, and so then, yeah, when I'm coaching people in, in online nutrition stuff, it's either on Zoom, <laughs> which most people were like, all right, we love Zoom. And then it was like, oh my gosh, COVID. And do we have to be on another <laughs> Zoom call? And and I also have one-on-one -on -one clients. So, you know, sometimes I'll help them plan their workouts or um, we're talking about nutrition and really getting in there and strategizing. But one of the things we do talk about for a lot of people, they've had a loss of that buffer time between work and home, which is a physical and mental separation. Yes. And so I have some clients right now who are work from home almost exclusively, and they really struggle because it was like, wake up, coffee, immediately roll into work. 
And then at, on the flip side, you know, normally there would be a drive home, there would be a time to decompress, a time to be by yourself. And that's gone yeah. for a lot of people. Absolutely. And it's like, it's so easy to keep working. It's so easy to not take the time to just decompress, let the day, you know, process yourself mentally, emotionally, whatever you need to do before your, you know, your, your family's right there, or you have to, you know, you feel like right. called to stay online and keep working. And so there is an element of, you know, discipline, um, or creating some kind of a separation, some kind of a ritual. I mean, I love rituals and in, in not, mm. <laughs> not necessarily right. like the religious sense, sure. um, although that could certainly be spirituality can be, can play a part mm -hmm. of it for people, but these rituals or these grounding moments in your day that signify things like the end of work. And then yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, open up my work computer or like on my phone, I don't have my, all my work emails, right on my phone anymore. So like when I close the computer for the day, or I shut my mail app for the day, that is just, it's just done. Man, I wish I could do that. Oh my Lord. You got, I need yeah, to but you gotta ask, you got to ask why are like, what, why, you know, wh what's the deeper? Why I need to hire you as a coach. Okay. <laughs> I need your help. I need your help. I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah. No, I but mean, you know, for some, for some people it is, they, um, they like to, you know, go, I have one client. She's like, you know, I think I could go just like sit outside on my deck for a few minutes. I'm like, start with five minutes. Can we start with five minutes of just like, okay, I've closed the thing or I'm going to move to another space. I have a dedicated work area or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. Before I go into housework and doing, you know, taking care of everybody else, it's like, how are you going to reclaim some of that energy for yourself? I, to me, it sounds like you have very clear boundaries in your life, uh, or at least between work and non-work, at least with work and non-work, right? Um, yeah, yeah, working on it, but it's a work in progress. <laughs> well, it sounds like you do, but or at least or at least you understand what those boundaries should be. Obviously execution is a different thing, but sure. I mean, that is, man, that is something I want to do too. And look, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like, that's why I say like, for me, one of the greatest things I ever happened to me was like the success of my social media accounts. It literally changed my life forever. The introverts are us is not the account that blew up for me mm -hmm. and changed my life forever. It was actually my jujitsu page, believe it mm. or not. It was my jujitsu page called jujitsu saved my life that blew up for me in like 2013 or 12 or something like that. 13, maybe, um, when Rhonda Rousey actually, she, she reposted something that mm. I, I posted a video of her. She reposted that post and then shouted me out. So anyways, and that's when I was starting, like get, not starting, that's when I was starting getting addicted into jitsu, whatever. The success of my social media accounts changed my life in so many amazing ways. I just, it's unbelievable. It's a whole podcast on it in itself of what that has given me. However, I, I think it also is part of the, technology, social media addiction, lack of boundaries relationship I have that I'm very um, honest about. And I think it's a problem. And so that's something I'm still working on to this day. But I, I think yeah. that I really would love to do as well is um, one of the cool things about being in the military is actually 
my military email isn't on my phone. It like literally can't be on my phone. That's really cool. I can't even access my military yeah. email on my phone. That's, oh my God, like for people who have contacts, right? People who are like most people who have their work email on their phone. It's like, what? That's weird. But to me, it's like so refreshing. Mm -hmm. But that's something I want to really want to work on is like, man, I, it's beyond the email thing. You said, you know, maybe it's the commute to and from work or whatever it is. To me, like an interesting analogy is like, that's like the separation of church and state to me. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like having a line between work and, and home and all that stuff, at least for me, is really important. And again, you've been working from home or whatever for many years. But that's something, at least for me, I found that I was like, uh, I had to change kind of, I needed to somewhat change back or I, I don't know. I'm all, to be honest with you, I'm still figuring this out. I, I don't necessarily like my home being my office as well. Maybe if I had a really big home or something, the office is in a far away room in my house. I don't know. But for me, I find it it negatively impacts my, hmm. my mental health, having my office and my home being the same structure. Because like you said, at least with the commute or whatever, you can transition your mind, your emotions and things like that into a new mind state. But when you're home and you're working uh, and, and then you, your husband in your case comes home or whatever it is you, that having to instantly change emotions and thoughts and stuff between some sort of personal thing and work thing, interestingly, is not natural. Maybe some people deal with it better than others, but that's not natural. Most people go to work. Um, and at work, you mostly are not thinking about home and personal life. Mostly, you're very uh, immersed in your work and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. Any other closing thoughts on kind of that relationship? I mean, beyond yeah. COVID, that's just something that we're all dealing with more and more as we're expected to be on and be accessible at home. Um, this is beyond COVID. COVID certainly yeah. is in that relationship, but that's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's problematic. I found for me. Well, one of the things I do with my clients who really struggle with this is I am like, well, who's expecting you to be on your phone all day on your work email all night, working until 10 o'clock, Who's expecting, who literally is the one who is like, I expect you to be, and they're like, no one, just me. And I'm like, okay, well now yeah, we need, but true. now we need to dig a little bit deeper <laughs> into like why work is the, yeah. is the primary way that you are, you know, you identify yourself or, and look, I get it. Like you can be an ambitious person who loves, yeah. you know, to better yourself and like derives a lot of value from your work. But when your work is how you define your worth, that's yeah. where, and as an online entrepreneur who has a self-branded business, I will tell you that like, that is really difficult. Yeah. Um, when you are your business, essentially, like you're the creative vision behind it, like you drive it, you know, and even if you have people helping you out, um, it's even harder because you, it's very easy to equate success with the business, with being a good person. And it's on your um, name, right? It's on your yeah. name. Yeah. But that's one of the things that we do. Like we it, we we drill a little bit deeper into into those and asking those questions. Well, you know, who's expecting me to be 
on all the time. What am I not, how am I not taking care of myself because I'm always on? (laughs) What is missing? What is the, what is the need that this is filling for me that I'm not getting from somewhere else? And it's not always easy to quote unquote, solve those questions when you're, you become aware of what the answer is, right? But it gives, like you said, it gives people a sense of awareness, at least, about what the challenge really is about. Because expecting yourself to be, you know, your boss isn't working (laughs) all those hours, you know, like, do you, you know, what is, what is the expectation is who's expecting you to work this hard or who's expecting you to not take any breaks, right? And, yeah. and for, for most people, it's self-driven. So then we got to drill into why it's self-driven. Yeah, I feel like we're getting some good psychotherapy now. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're 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 spot on because I think that is me. Again, I, I, get, I think part of it is being single mm-hmm. and living alone is, is one element to it. The other element is I'm very ambitious as well. Mm-hmm. But I think I am kind of the person you're talking about too. It's like if someone really it was push come to shove and someone's like, okay, does someone really expect you to be like online and accessible and all that stuff at home at all hours? I would have to say no. Mm-hmm. And I would just have to admit, like, no, it's just I like to be very responsive. I find value in being responsive to people because I like. I'm um, uh, kind of servant minded. I like helping people. I like being uh, of value to people. That's just who I am. So it's sort of of a self-inflicted wound that I want to, in some degree, blame on work culture and expectations. (laughs) That's not necessarily anyone else's fault other than my own. So that's another, but see, but see, it's hard to break that habit because it actually started with being an expectation. Like when I worked in Palo Alto at a tech company physically there, startup, the kind of was the expectation mm-hmm. that accessible and whatever at all hours. Right. So it's one of those things that it's just a habit is formed Part of it's your personality, part of it is an expectation, and then it's the perfect storm of a habit building, and then next thing you know, that's just who you become, and then and then now you're just telling people like, oh, this is how it is or whatever, and you really have to be like, no, that's how you've programmed it, and I think that's where the, 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 prob- the problem arises is like, okay, well, shit, how do I break this because there's so many different things feeding this behavior it's not as simple as, well, just turn off, just delete your, your, I I mean, I don't know, maybe it is, but just delete your stuff from your phone or all this stuff. It's like, well, (laughs) I don't know. So it's a very interesting topic, you know, it is. And you know, there's not one solution that works for everybody and, and habits like behavior-based habit change is essentially like is what, coaches do, right? So sometimes it's like being able to to find ways to build habits that actually make sense for you, not this is just the right way to do it. And it's it's hard, you know, it's it takes discipline, but it also takes that awareness of like 
the pain of continuing to do this is actually probably worse than the pain of like shutting it down or, or whatever you're doing. I'm not saying like shutting down your, your social media accounts. But the thing is, is like, I get it. Like I come from a servant, a servant, uh, oriented mindset, but at the same time, I know I also cannot be my best to serve the people that I want to when I'm, you know, on my last nerve and have no energy and feeling resentful because I've been, you know, I've made myself available to everyone. And that's, that's one of the things I've had to do is say, you know, um, I do, I mean, I've got more content online than you can shake a stick at. It's been going for, you know, probably 10, 11, 12 years at this point. Like, you know, so when people are like, Oh, well, you just need to be consistent with content. I'm like, yes, honey, we got that covered, you know? Um, but at the same time, I also know that I, because I do work with people in groups, I work with people one-on-one in private coaching. It's also for me, it's not fair to that relationship that I've established with my clients, whether they're group or they're online or or, sorry, group or one-on-one that I'm giving everything of myself to everyone. And that's what I was talking about at the very top of the show with like being in relationship with people, um, in terms of like a contractual, it is a contractual relationship. We're like, okay, I'm going to show up and do this for you. You're going to show up and do this uh, for yourself. And we're going to work together and collaborate that level of, of commitment between a coach and a client is far beyond what I, I can give anybody who just stumbles across my Instagram. And I've, I, over the years have learned the hard way that a people who I just give lots of free advice to, like, I have to be really careful because of (laughs) not overstepping my scope and my boundaries, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of my professional certifications and the things that I do. Um, and people's nutrition and fitness is complex and I can't, you know, I, I, I can't have somebody like rock up and go, Hey, what should I do for this? Like, I don't know your situation. So I'm doing my due diligence actually to keep you safe and to protect the integrity of what I do to make sure that, you know, if we work together, we work together, but I used to tell, help everybody do everything. And you know what? I do also do a lot of free content. So I had to make a decision at some point of like, where am I going to really be able to help people? I'm going to give, you know, my content. So that's why podcast has been going for six years. I have like 340 episodes. Um, I've got newsletters, you know, my website, like my social content. And then I need to save some of that energy for going and serving people in a different way. And it took a long time to like have that come to Jesus moment where I was like, I can't just be like coaching people for free on the internet anymore. Maybe you do that at the beginning when you're trying to get experience and this and that. And even if you're servant minded at some point you have to go, I, I'm not an unlimited well of like energy and and stuff for everybody else. And I'm losing myself in that process. Yeah. I mean, I relate to that. I relate (laughs) to that a lot. No, I mean, so you've built, I mean, I've, You've built your community, your tribe, your business through your expertise, through your experience and through your content. So for sure, you and I can relate on having a lot of people reach out, ask for advice. Mm -hmm. Certain people are friends and family or loyal followers and you feel somewhat obligation to help them, give them free advice and all this stuff. I don't know about you, but to some degree, you kind of 
create unintentionally kind of a relationship that people think that they can always just come to you at any time, ask you for free advice about anything, nutrition or, or, uh, fitness related for me, it was social media marketing. And then now definitely things related to like introversion and confidence and leadership, stuff like that. And I agree with you that it's like, I'm at that point and stuff too, where I'm like, man, I just, I, I, I literally, cause I have like a few accounts that are kind of big too is like i have thousands of messages and i probably get 100 a day i cannot it is overwhelming yeah and for, for one reason that's a good thing i thank everyone i thank my followers i'm so glad that i have this but it's a double-edged sword because i'm like for one i'm super thankful that people see me as an authority in something and that they value my opinion and stuff. But one potential downfall is like, like you said, I can just get hit with some scenario or some request or someone's issue at any time. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. And this ruins my day. Or I feel like, Oh my God, like I need to respond to them and it, it affects our mental health. But then also at the other, on the other end, the business end, I'm like, I, I just, it's not sustainable. Just to give hundreds of people free advice all the time. No. Like also I need, should probably build a business about this because clearly I have enough people who, who value this. And that's another podcast too, of building the business from the community. But it's like, this is, this is tough um, to deal with setting these boundaries. Again, mm -hmm. a lot comes back to boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of um, learning, a lot of mistakes, a lot of like, wow, I can't keep doing that. And you know, you just do the best you can and and make adjustments where you can. How much more time you got? You good to keep going? Or yeah, I'm good to end? keep going. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, one thing I want to touch up upon is something that you and I both have in common, and that's jujitsu. And I actually didn't know this until I, I reached out to schedule the podcast with you is that mm -hmm. we both do jujitsu and I think that's really awesome. So do you want to, I don't want to be the focal point, but I'll respond <laughs> with my experience too. But especially one of the things I want to touch upon topically is being an introvert yeah. in training jujitsu. Cause I have some very interesting perspectives and opinions on that. But before we get into that, like, how did you, how did you get in? How did you get into uh jujitsu? I'm curious. Yeah, <laughs> I had. Okay. So to be, to preface all of this, I had never, the only jujitsu I'd ever seen was whatever, you know, little bits and pieces of jujitsu people do in UFC. Yes. Right. I had never seen like actual Brazilian jujitsu being done. I mean, I could have just Googled it, but I guess I was too lazy for that. I had never <laughs> been to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu academy. You know, my I had a general sense of what it was, which is like a ground-based combat where, you know, generally like you're not getting punched and kicked, uh, yeah. which was appealing for me because I just like, no thanks. Um, I had done Taekwondo when I was in high school. So I was like, okay, like I'm kind of familiar with martial arts ethos in general. And I had known a few people that were doing it or had done it in the past. And I was like, you know, they're cool people. Like maybe that would be fun. And I had just, 
2017, I had just done in a, an online event. And one of the things was that I interviewed people about was getting outside your comfort zone. And, you know, by that point, I had been, um, you know, strength training almost exclusively for seven or eight years. I was coaching Olympic weightlifting. And so if you can imagine the difference between Olympic weightlifting and jujitsu, yeah, obviously both very physical, athletic, whatever. But aside from that, in Olympic weightlifting, you're trying to perfect two lifts, the snatch and the clean and jerk. It's technically three lifts, but you do them together. So you're trying to perfect these two things. And everything you do is to perfect these two things. Jiu-jitsu, on the other hand, is what I came to find out is you have an almost infinite number of combinations and things you can do. And the difference is you can Olympic weightlift by yourself. In jiu-jitsu, you can't actually do the sport of jiu-jitsu alone. You could do maybe some drills by yourself, but you can't actually do the sport by yourself, right? So there was just a lot of appeal in trying something new. And I was like, well, if I'm out here on on the internet talking about getting outside of your comfort zone, I should put my money where my mouth is and go actually try something that was just, to me, very unknown. And uh, I had a friend uh, living in San Diego. We have a huge Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mecca. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's yes. when, when you look on the inside of a gi, it's like one of the places highlighted on the map and stuff like that. So we have a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu here, yes. a lot of academies, a lot of amazing athletes. And yes. so uh, a friend of mine that I was actually w- coaching with at the, at the weightlifting gym was going to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He was a white belt at the time. And he was also like, he's like a six foot five guy. And I'm like five foot four on a good day. So he was like, you know what? My academy has, uh, you know, a fundamentals class for beginners. Do you want to come try it with me? I'll go to the fundamentals class with you. And I was like, sure. Awesome. And I'll tell you what, I walked in and I was just like, I felt I was so uncomfortable. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the flow of anything is. I don't know what the the etiquette is, you know, um, and having experience in, in, um, in Taekwondo and Hapkido, like, for example, when you do a forward roll in those sports, you actually roll over your head. Like you would just do a drill, you know, across the floor, you just roll like a, like a somersault. Right. And so they were, the instructor was like, okay, front rolls. And so I did that. And the instructor was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know anything. I've never done jujitsu. So that was how it started. And, uh, and here we are four years plus later and I'm still I'm still going and I love it. And uh, it's been really humbling and really difficult in a lot of ways, but also very rewarding. So you're a purple belt? Yes. That's fast. Four years? Yeah, I train like five times a week. So, so you're addicted. You're straight up addicted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this, at this point, though, I mean, I kind of know my body, um, you know, pretty well. And I definitely know when I'm pushing a little too hard or I'm just a little crispy around the edges. I'm 42. So I don't, I just don't recover as quickly as I used to, you know, when I was competing in sports and when I was, you know, in my early twenties, it's a little bit different when you're in your forties. It doesn't mean you can't roll hard. It doesn't mean you can't train hard. You can't be good, a good athlete, but you just got to be a little bit wiser about things. Well, you're going more than me. So I feel horrible. right now. (laughs) I feel terrible, man. I get, three times as tough. That's good. You know, you know, anything like I I feel like whatever, 
is consistent for you. If you're like, Hey, you know, I've got like two, two or three times a week and like, that's all I can eke out, you know, as well as anybody else. So it's all about just kind of consistency over time. But you know what part of it is? Um, so this is a, is an interesting segue is, I don't know why I didn't have this banner up the whole time, but, um, one of, one of the things I want to get into actually is for me. So have you, first of all, have you been to the same Academy the whole four years? I have. Okay. All right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've been, to, I've been to many, not many. I've been to a few different academies. I started training jujitsu when I was on active duty, when I was in Georgia, probably like 2009. Um, tried a couple out there, did jujitsu in Afghanistan, uh, on base. Um, and then I went to AKA, which is in San Jose. AKA is like arguably the most famous MMA gym because mm -hmm. of uh, DC and Kane Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, Khabib Nurmagomedov. So I really got addicted when I when I moved back home to San Jose and was at AKA. I mean, also all the champions are there. So it was an MMA focused jujitsu kind of program. So that was that was tough for me actually because. Is very intense and everyone's super competitive mm -hmm. and very and, and in that environment more clicky. It's not like traditional martial arts jujitsu. You go to a dojo, like whatever kind of that environment. It was at an MMA gym, had a jujitsu program. So I think what's what's tough for me to this day is showing up. Actually, um, mm -hmm. I think part of it is being an introvert. I think part of it is maybe some social anxiety or something. But the thing about uh, being an introvert and, tr and training jujitsu for me is that the the warm ups, the 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 classes itself, I don't really enjoy that much because it's very social in mm. a way. I like the rolling, which everyone likes rolling in jujitsu because you get to go do your thing. But like beyond that is because it's one-on-one, -on -one, just like we're talking now, not the center of attention. I can just zone in. I can do the thing. Uh, for me, I, I find it, I don't know. I psych myself out sometimes of showing up because I'm just not in the mood, not necessarily physically. I'm just not in the social mood mm. to go to a class with what we're talking about earlier, tons of stimuli, lights and people and rolling and, 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 and teaching and like you need to be super present and all of those kinds of elements. Seriously, the biggest detriment, like I would have, let's be honest, easily been a black belt many years ago had I stuck with it and trained a lot more is because just showing up sometimes is tough for me. Um, again, I think part of it is an introvert. I don't want to be put it all about being an introvert. There's plenty of introverts who train jujitsu, but some social anxiety stuff too. Do you experience any of that? I mean, obviously right now you're addicted. If you're going five times, ha have you ever experienced it being anything about being tough. And, and the reason why I asked that is because I actually, my hypothesis is, isn't it's jujitsu itself. There is a lot of stimuli, mm. but I actually think it's more about comfortability. I actually think it's the, which gym you go to because introverts are comfortable in groups that they're comfortable with. Yeah. I think in general, I've been at great schools to this day. I'm at a great school too, but I just think I'm not comfortable there. And it's no, 
insult on those schools. It's just some, it's something me, something <laughs> I need that I've never got from the schools I've been at that I felt comfortable. Do you mm -hmm. have any kind of, I mean, you've been at the same school, but can you, yeah. what, what do you have to kind of <laughs> add to that? Well, I think there's a lot of different dynamics that make jujitsu a really, I mean, it's not the only very close physical combat sport or, you know, yeah. martial art or anything. I mean, there's like many sports where there's a lot of human, human to human contact, but let's be honest, day one, you walk in and you're touching a stranger that you don't know. Not only are you touching them, but you like they're you're laying on each other is basically what jujitsu is. Yeah, it's like yeah. we're on each other. And yeah, we we my husband calls it um yeah uh like cuddle pajamas or like something yeah, like that. I've heard that um, one before. <laughs> but you know, so here's the thing. It's like I said earlier, it's really difficult to do jujitsu by yourself. You need other people to be able to do the sport. You're touching each other. And my big thing is like, some people just have weird energy. And so there's definitely some people I just don't feel comfortable as comfortable rolling with. Some of it is, uh, and, and you'll, you'll know this, like some of it is that like, I don't know, I'm not a competitor. Jiu-Jitsu is like the only sport I've ever done in my life where I made a conscious effort that I, at this point, I want to do something without competition because mm. I'm just looking to learn and like enjoy and I don't want to put the pressure of competition on myself yeah. right now. I like competition. I've always been a competitive person competed in sports since I was a little kid, but, um, competition adds a level of intensity. Yeah. And here's the thing. There's some people who they want to go. Every role is like a level 100 out of a hundred. <laughs> and you know what? Like, it's easier with some people than others to kind of be like, Oh, Hey, you want to flow roll? Yeah, cool. And then they're like, smack, you know, it's just like, just smashing you, you know? And I, I just, when there's not that relationship of trust there of either, you know, we're, we are going to go, we're going to go kind of easy or light. Um, you know, some of the guys that I roll with, I roll with everybody from teenage kids to, we have a guy at our place who's 70, um, and he's an ex wrestler. He's really amazing at jujitsu, but big guys, small guys, big girls, small girls, kids. It doesn't matter the size necessarily of the person. It's the trust that you have between each other. And there's just some people who I just don't a hundred percent trust. <laughs> yeah. So there's that element. There's the yeah. element of sometimes I'll go and I'm feeling good. And here's the thing. I know at this point when I'm starting to feel like that physical burnout or that overreaching. So sometimes I'll just think like, oh, you know, it's been a really hard week of training. I'm not feeling like really like excited to go train. Most of the time I am. I'm excited to go train. But uh, every once in a while, I'll have a day where I get in there and we're just doing our thing. And I'm like, I don't want anybody to freaking touch me today. I just don't. Like, I just yeah. don't want to, <laughs> to do this. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to deal with another person's body, like, and just having to manage all of that stuff. Yeah. So there's that element. Um, you know, our, our gym is not, we have some people who compete, but it's not just a bunch of fire breather, you know, competitors. Um, I do, I do completely understand with, 
you know, the comfort level and like just the environment and how that can play a big role in it. But I think for me, most of the time it, 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 it kind of, uh, distills down into, am I feeling like I have the energy, <laughs> the capacity to some days I am quieter and I just kind of do my thing and then I'll start stretching after class and then I'll go lift. And then sometimes people join me and that's cool. Um, other times I feel more chatty because that depends on who's around and and I like that element of it. Um, but for me, I, my challenges with introversion tend to be around not certain people that I just don't trust for whatever reason. And they're, they're, their acumen on the mat and like they're always trying to go hard or I don't trust that they're I am a smaller person even though yeah I have you know I'm muscular and this and that like sometimes I forget I'm like five three or five four and like <laughs> literally one of the guys I rolled with yesterday is like six four however I know because I've rolled with him a lot that he's not just going to try to smash me. You know, right. he likes to just try to play bottom and he's trying yeah. to play, you know, work on his deep half game. And so, um, so I actually picked him yesterday, you know, they're like, who do you want to roll with? And I was like that guy. And you can see people are like, wait, but I have, I also have a trust with him. Yeah. And yep. so it's hard. Sometimes I'll go to, so we have a sister facility. Um, and I've started going there kind of once a week, but it was really ner nerve wracking at first because I, I knew a few people, but I didn't know everybody. And I was just like, I'm going to get paired up with one of these people I don't know. Yeah. And what is going to happen. And I think that's one of the reasons why now that I know more about the sport, competing in the sport is not, it, it's not appealing to me because literally people want to you know break your arm off. So there's that. Um, and then also <laughs> the number of people I've seen injured at competitions is just ridiculous. It's uh, dangerous. It's very dangerous. I yeah. mean, all sorts of stuff and stuff can happen in training too, but typically it's not to that extent. Um, but the other element is at this point, I know roughly what your game is going to be, right? We know each other. We've rolled together a lot. Like I right. kind of know what you're going to do. You kind of know what I'm going to do. We might pull some tricks out of the bag here or there. Yeah. But when I, you know, sometimes I uh, will go to the, the other gym, um, I get nervous because I don't quite know how hard this person is going to try to take it on me, especially if they're kind of same level or higher. Typically, I don't know. My experience is at least black belts tend to be pretty chill. Um, yeah. and, and also brown, black and brown belts are pretty like, you know, they size you up. They're not going to just go ham on you, but, uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> If you're a woman, sometimes that can add something into the dynamic as well. But um, sometimes I just, I'm like, I don't know what this person's deal is. Like, are they going to just try to, you know, s slap an arm bar on me and like, I'm trying yeah. to tap and they're not going to let go. I don't know. I just, I think that my, my challenges with the introversion tend to come on that more yeah. um, personal level. I will say on the flip side, this is probably the extra, the slightly extrovert in me. But one of the reasons why I think people love jujitsu so much is because there is so much person to person contact you, because you do get like oxytocin, you do get that serotonin <laughs> from the hugs. Yeah. Just because you're literally, you literally have human yeah. contact. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, subconsciously at well, least people that really like it. You know what I think it also does too. jujitsu for me, at least despite those op, 
those circumstances where you don't trust someone, which I mean, naturally, why should you until they kind of mm-hmm. earn your trust, especially when your, your, your health, your, your limbs and whatnot are on the line. Um, yeah. the, I think what is interesting though, is like the type of bonds you can develop in jujitsu are also really powerful mm-hmm. because the, because when you do build a bond and honestly, I actually, another podcast too, the things the the similarities between being in the military and in jujitsu for me, there's a lot of crossover there. One of them is the bonds you make. And I think part of that is when you build a bond, when you're in danger, when you're have a shared experience, shared learning. Um, and when you are forced to trust someone, I feel like those bonds can, often go deeper than some other bonds. Um, I'm not saying yours have or everyone's will, but I definitely have some relationships with people in jujitsu I've met that it's like, yeah, like I literally, you like, you choke me, I choke you. We bend each other's limbs the wrong way until they almost break, but then we don't because yeah. we built a trust to not do that. Or if God forbid something does happen, we don't take it personally. Like we have a deep, we, we trust each other's safety and in, mm-hmm. in some ways, let's be honest, lives um, with each other. So I do feel like that's one of the interesting benefits that you don't get in almost anywhere else in life um, that jujitsu's had for me, at least with, with certain people or with quite a few people that I, that may not be their best friend outside of jujitsu necessarily at all, but like at jujitsu, like we we're we're really close and we're, we're, we're good. Cause I mean that what you have to relinquish and give up to someone is special. I mean, let's, it sounds funny to say you're not that intimate with anyone else other than someone you're intimate with. Yeah. <laughs> so to, to give someone um, that, that opportunity is, is very special and, and it should be, shouldn't be taken for granted. So I do feel like that's one of the things I do like is some of the relationships I've built through like MMA and jujitsu is, is something I'll never get anywhere else other than, in, like I said, some ways in the military because of like being in a war zone and, and certain things like that, those very special training environments you cannot rep- replicate in the corporate world. I'll tell you, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I, that's my opinion and my experience. But, um, so anyways, I want to throw one of the benefits out there. I think that's awesome for anyone, the camaraderie and the trust you can build in that such dangerous environment is awesome. One of the other things I want to touch upon maybe to kind of bring the jujitsu thing a little bit too close is for me, it's sort of a paradox that, um, like I said, I, definitely find trouble in showing up a lot of times or whatever. And I do find trouble in sort of developing relationships to some people at jujitsu, just kind of being introverted. Or like I said, maybe some of it's some social anxiety too, but one thing that is therapeutic and it's not just jujitsu, actually, it's definitely weightlifting like you do as well. I do a lot of weightlifting and, and running. One thing that is super awesome for me that I, I, I encourage like all introverts to do. And I, 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 I promise you it will help you if you have trouble uh, socializing and stuff is, is to work out for me. I don't know what it is. I mean, clearly endorphins and there's probably plenty of science behind it, but specifically to the benefit of socialization is incredible. Like who I am, like literally the person I am 
and my behavior immediately following jujitsu and, and working out, whether that's running or weightlifting is night and day. I don't know about you. For me, I'm, I'm a different person. I am way more social, way more social. I am nicer. I'm, I'm, I'm more curious. I'm more empathetic. Like all of the positive personality traits that I strive to have any given day, I can get by simply working out. Like for me, actually it's working out like pretty hard. I need, it needs to be moderate to hard. It can't be a light workout necessarily. Jujitsu, weightlifting, whatever it is. So for me, jujitsu, that's why I, I, I was going to quickly show my, my account real quick here. I, I, I started this account many, many years ago, but it's called jujitsu saved my life. And for me, it's not literally, but for some other people, it is literally, it's like their physical health. Maybe they have their obese or whatever, but on the mental health side, um, for me, it's more of an analogy or metaphor or whatever. It saved my life. Like jujitsu saves my life mentally and I think any, any kind of exercise, so it doesn't have to be jujitsu for anyone, any kind of like hard exercise I think is incredible for mental health and for introverts in general, because it, it, it changes something and it's just temporary though. It's like a pill or whatever it is, your prescription medicine, whatever it is, it's fleeting. It only lasts for a few hours. You need to do it every day or whatever it is. But to me, it is absolutely the greatest thing I ever did in my entire life was get into jujitsu and, and also working out and also the self-awareness that it's what I need. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the paradox of it is though, being an introvert and like I said, I have some social anxiety and stuff too. i still don't always show up as much as I need to, even though I know it is the best thing that I, that, that can happen in my life and I need it daily. I still don't. And that's the the paradox I live in is knowing how helpful it is. But I just want to put that out there for people like whether it's jujitsu or working out or whatever. If you're an introvert, you have any mental health issues, whatever, I guarantee you this isn't, I'm not a mental health practitioner, but I, I promise you it will change your life. And I, anyways, that's my rant. And I'm just curious of how, how jujitsu and, and, and being a strength a coach and, and, and honestly, even nutrition and stuff, how are those things changed your, or how do they uh, improve your mental health and do they affect your, your introvertedness at all? Yeah, for me, um, as somebody who tends to be an over, you know, I overthink everything, yeah. <laughs> surprise, yeah. uh, ha having a very like deep inner world being, you know, kind of analytical or replaying, you know, almost like I can very easily stew on things that have happened. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I would have done this. I should have done that. I should have said this, should have said that. One of the reasons why yes, lifting heavy or doing jujitsu is so amazing, at least for, for me personally, is because you have to be present. Yes. Good point. You are present. If I'm going to lift, you know, deadlift 200 pounds, I can't be messing around and like casual about it. Right. I have to be focused only on that thing. Yes. I am focused on, on what I'm doing. I'm focused on the barbell. I'm not thinking about that crappy email that I got or this thing that I need to do later. It allows for that momentary, like complete presence of mind and flow state. 
And jujitsu is the same way, you know, during drilling, maybe you're kind of, you know, ha- sometimes we're like, you know, having a laugh, we're talking to each other, but when you're rolling, it is very difficult to let your mind wander to anything else. You are, you are hyper present in the moment. And so, yes, there are studies on uh, strength training and, and anxiety and how it is amazing for people who, you know, at least in the studies that have been, have gone through it and many people will, will probably relate to this uh, anecdotally and like on an N equals one level that it's, it's very helpful if you have anxiety, but my theory on, on why that is, is that you, you can't, yes, if I'm going to go and kind of like warm up, I can be drip, my mind's drifting other places, but when I'm in the moment and it is hard physically, I have to be present for that thing. I cannot be thinking about all the other problems that I have. So in a way it is, it is a bit of a respite, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an oasis away from all of the other chaos, the, the, the overthinking, the overanalyzing that I can tend to get into. And let's be honest, when you're more experienced, when you're first learning and you're like, what is the triangle? Where did my legs go? How do I have to, you know, how do I have to like set myself up for this deadlift? Yeah, you are, you do tend to be thinking a little bit more about the details of the movements. But once you're more experienced, you just let because you've done the repetition, you've done the practice, you know, the fundamentals, you just get to problem solve in the moment or focus on what it is you you're doing in the moment and not thinking about the procedural, you know, and that's one of the the beautiful things about rolling with somebody who's a, a brown belt or a black belt. They're not thinking about this move. They're thinking about how they're going to bait you into this like move that they want to try out three moves from now, um, or, you know, they're, they're able to just react in the situation. Whereas even as a purple belt, sometimes I'm like, Oh, that didn't work. Like, what else am I going to try here? Right. So it's sort of like that, that innate knowing, because you've had that much practice. That's the really nice thing is that you just get to really flow. And um, being in that flow state is beautiful and magical. And um, it's, it's definitely something at least I've found personally, the intensity has to be there. I I think you, you actually brought up something that I think about all the time, the difference between my experience with a jujitsu and then weightlifting at the gym. I actually love it as well. They're like, they just serve two different purposes for me, but the end, the end result is still similar. Um, how I feel, but at the gym, like I have my phone, I got my AirPods in, listening to music. That's dope. I get to, I get to be an introvert. Actually, I get to be an introvert, just focus on my stuff. I'm weightlifting, listen to music, but I also still probably am thinking about a lot of stuff in life while I'm working out. Interestingly though, I tend to have really good, clear, productive thoughts when I'm working out and I have those thoughts. So actually I enjoy that even though I'm not escaping the outside world. I have my phone and all that, but at jujitsu, my phone is in a cubby it's not on the mat. I literally do not touch my phone for two hours. I in, in the miracle, I don't even think about my phone mm-hmm. and it's, I'm not exaggerating for me. At least it is the only time I don't even think about my phone. I literally never think about my phone. I don't think about social media. I don't think about my family. I don't think about my friends. I literally don't think about nothing other than being present. Like you said, um, 
because it's so demanding and intense and analytical. You have to be very focused, especially when you're rolling for those who don't know actually the wrestling portion of it. There's no time to think about <laughs> something else. Like no. it's fight or flight. You, there's, yeah. you're, you're actually forced into a survival mode, even though it isn't survival because they don't have a knife and the person won't actually kill you. Obviously, your, your brain doesn't know any difference. And I've been doing this, like I said, like about 11 years now. My brain still to this day doesn't know difference. It's fight or flight. Doesn't matter. I'm going against a white belt. It doesn't matter. It's fight or flight. As soon as we're on, it's fight or flight. I'm not thinking about nothing else. Nothing else. And that is amazing. And I think that is so productive to, I, I don't, like I said, I actually think it's very healthy to not think about my family, my friends, my work. I think about just about that problem in front of me, this person trying to hurt me or whatever it is, or however I want to approach that match or whatever. Oh my Lord, I love it. And it is the, it's the, there's nothing else for me, nothing else in my life that can replicate that. I mean, there's yoga and all these other things. I haven't, I haven't tried yoga or whatever. There might, there might be a couple other things that exist out there that can replicate it. But for me, man, it is unbelievably productive for me. So yeah, jujitsu is just, it'll always be part of who I am and my, my story. And again, another podcast, another time. It, I mean, I had the jujitsu save my life. Instagram account and and stuff like that before I had introverts are us or anything like that. So it is, uh, it's been, it's just been so crazy for me and changed my life. So man, I, anyways, I'm just glad that, <laughs> you know, I love me nerding out, meeting another jujitsu person. Like it's weird, right? Like we can, we can nerd out and, and like, it's so sort of insulated. The experience is so unique. You, as much as we explain it and describe it and, and rave about it, no one can ever know exactly what we're doing until they go do it. It is one of those things in life that no matter how much you describe it, no, nothing does it justice other than, <laughs> other than doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but definitely that's, I think, I think with that, uh, it's a good kind of segue, I think maybe to end the podcast in a way that I think we both share is our passion for fitness, Right. And our, and our passion for jujitsu for many reasons, but mental health is a good one, being competitive, being healthy. Um, and I think that's really cool that we have something that we're both, I mean, we're both kind of online entrepreneurs and stuff too. I think that's really awesome. And yeah, so with that, I'd love to kind of give you a little bit of time to end the podcast and promote uh, your business, your, your podcast, your social media. Well, is there, is there anything coming up or something that you're doing that you want to quickly like talk about or do you sure. want? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always have the podcast running. So that's the listen to your body podcast. It's been six plus years and 340 episodes and counting in the making. So it's how many 300, 300? 340 and counting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it is, uh, it's been a, a pretty amazing anchor in my life, uh, at least my business life. And I get to talk to a lot of really amazing people and, um, you know, go on there and do some solo ranting. So that's kind of always up and running and obviously a very healthy archive <laughs> of episodes people can dig into. 
So there's that. Um, I have one-on-one coaching that I do with people, strength nutrition coaching. There's my husband there, Craig Zielinski. So he comes on the podcast every once in a while. He's also a strength coach. Um, <laughs> so he's sometimes up, a, a special guest. And so I have strength nutrition coaching that I do with people one-on-one. And I have a group program that I'm going to be launching this summer. I don't have a firm date on that yet. But if you are somebody who wants to understand how to fuel your body so that you're you know, going to get stronger, you're going to increase your energy and your performance in and out of the gym without it being something that you have to like be super obsessive about and, you know, weigh and count and log all your food. And you sort of want the best of both of those worlds. And I'm going to be launching that. I also have some free you know, resources there, some strength workouts for people. Uh, I've got a couple of strength coaching programs. So, I mean, I've pretty much got it all at this point, but that's all there, you know, on the Instagram link and profile is probably the best way to see all the the most up-to-date stuff that is available. All right. Sounds good. Just showing everyone Thanks. your Instagram account here, Steph yeah. Gaudreau, uh, and you guys can obviously click the link tree here. If you want to check out, you know, some of her programs and, and her podcasts and all that kind of good stuff, guys, check yeah. out Steph, a fellow introvert, fellow <laughs> jujitsu practitioner, fellow podcast, uh, host and online entrepreneur and all that good stuff. So, Hey, it's been a pleasure. It was, it was fun and interesting to get to know you on the Introverts RS podcast. I hope yeah. people have found value in here of our conversations and your background and your experience and your perspectives. Definitely hope everyone uh, subscribes and, and, and enjoys this if if uh, if they would like to. I'm going to put clips of this up too. So uh I'll, you know, find some good tidbits in here to put on Instagram to tease the episode and stuff like that. But thank you very much, Steph. Uh, it was, it was great to meet you and thank you for doing this. Hopefully a lot of people, uh, enjoy it. And, uh, I'm going to try to get this on like an audio, uh, kind of thing too. Do you do Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff too? Oh do yeah. You, got yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, I'm going to have some questions for you. I don't know how to do the audio part of it. I'm sure it's oh. probably not too hard, but I need to get the audio part up too. The video stuff is my wheelhouse, but so anyways, thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk after this for a brief second after I close it out, but thanks everyone for tuning in, uh, for the first introverts RS podcasts. Uh, thanks Steph. Appreciate it. Thank you.